Hello, and welcome to another edition of Maplewood Barn Radio Theater, brought to you in conjunction with KBIA. Tonight, we bring back one of our favorite authors, William Makepeace Thackeray, in our retelling of his short story, Bluebeard's Ghost. This evening's performance is part two of the tale. In last week's show, Bluebeard's wealthy widow, Jean, spent a great deal of time mourning for her lost husband, who was killed under somewhat cloudy circumstances by her brothers. In spite of all the horrible rumors and suppositions about Bluebeard being a murderer, Jean is adamant about defending his innocence and seeks to protect his reputation at all costs, perhaps at least in part because he left her very well off. She and her sister Anne live in the Bluebeard family townhouse, which overlooks the grave of her beloved husband. Jean finally decides the mourning period is over and re-enters society. She soon finds herself pursued by two suitors, Captain Blackbeard and Mr. Sly, and they have threatened a duel over her. Blackbeard was thrown in jail over rumors about the duel with Mr. Sly, but the duel never took place because Mr. Sly fled at the prospect of fighting the notorious Blackbeard. Shortly afterward, Blackbeard was released from jail. Mr. Sly is the nephew of the church parson, Dr. Sly, and has been making every attempt to demonstrate his affections toward Mrs. Bluebeard, most recently by trying unsuccessfully to hang himself from a bedpost. Some days after this nearly tragic event, Mrs. Bluebeard thought of sending a friendly message to Dr. Sly, asking for news about the health of his nephew. But as she was giving her orders on that subject to John Thomas, the footman, it happened that Ensign Trippett and Captain Blackbeard arrived for a visit. The atmosphere was convivial. You look so gallant this morning, Captain, with your arm in a sling. Thank you for coming again, and it is nice to see you too, Ensign Trippett. Yes, we wanted to determine if the gossip around town was true. What gossip is that? About the young Mr. Sly hanging himself out of love for you, dear lady. Oh, yes, the silly boy. Can you imagine? (laughs) And he was cut down by his manservant. That is what I heard. What could he have been thinking? It sounds like he was thinking nothing at all. He was merely hanging around. (laughs) (laughs) It is not so funny to me. Why, madam, don't you see that the whole bedpost and hanging scheme was merely a ruse to win your heart? And it is no small compliment to your attractions to have a man hang himself over you. My only disappointment is that he did not bring his efforts to a successful conclusion. (laughs) Why, I wonder who that might be. Good heavens, it is Mr. Sly. We were just speaking of you. Mr. Sly? I would like to have a word with him, if I might. Oh, keep that madman away from me! No, no, Captain Blackbeard. This is no concern of yours. Now, Mr. Sly, I would ask you to kindly state your business. Well, Miss Bluebeard, I saw you through your dining room windows. You were hobnobbing with Captain Blackbeard, and I can bear it no more. Live on, smile on, and be happy. My ghost shall repine, perhaps at your happiness with another. What are you speaking of, Mr. Sly? It is best that I am gone. Please tell my uncle to drag the fish pond at the end of Bachelor's Acre. His servant Sam is with me, but I will take him to the bottom with me if he tries any form of restraint. 
Sham will leave a wife and seven children. Be kind to those little orphans. Goodbye forever. Fly! Fly, save him! Don't just sit there drinking claret. Save him, you monsters, ere it is too late. Drowned! Frederick! Bachelor's Pond! She has fainted, just like a woman. And could you take care of her? Come on, Tribbett. As disappointed as it may be to leave behind this fine wine, perhaps we should proceed to Bachelor's Pond, as requested by our incapacitated hostess. Yes, we must hurry. Take it easy, my good fellow. You must be moving at ten miles per hour. Running is unwholesome after dinner, and if that squinting scoundrel of a lawyer does drown himself, I shan't sleep any worse. If you say so, Captain. That's it. Let's go about this in a leisurely fashion. Ah, is that... Yes, there sits Major Macaba on his front porch, smoking a cigar and sipping from a bottle of port. We should go consult with him, and whilst we are about it, sample that bottle. They come not! Oh, heavens! Grant that Mr. Sly is safe. Sister Anne, go up to the turret and see if anybody is coming. As you command, Your Highness, just a moment. Do you see anybody coming, Sister Anne? I see Dr. Drench's little boy running. He is being pursued by a large dog. Dearest Sister Anne, don't you see anyone coming? I see a flock of dust. No, a cloud of sheep. These are mere distractions. Look once more, Sister Anne. I see a crowd, a shutter, a shutter with a man on it, a beetle, 40 little boys. Gracious goodness, what can it be? It looks like a parade. I'm, I'm coming down. The beetle is at the head of the procession, thrashing about at the little boys. There must be two scores of them surrounding him. And there is a shutter carried by four men. Oh, my lord, that is Frederick, Mr. Sly lying on the shutter. He is ghastly pale. He looks terrible, with his hair draggled over his face, his clothes stuck tight because he is soaked, streams of water gurgling down the shutter sides. What a mess. But he was not dead. See how he turns to look at us? Look at you, that is. And such a look. I shall never forget it. There is the servant, Sam, bringing up the rear of the procession. He was quite wet through and through, and his hair is quite out of curl. John Thomas is talking with Sam. Perhaps he will bring us news. Yes, footmen such as John can be veritable founts of information. John Thomas? Yes, milady. What news, John Thomas? Is Mr. Sly still among the living? Yes, he is living, though not fully recovered. It seems that Mr. Frederick flung himself into Bachelor's Acre Fish Pond, firmly clutching Sam, who could not escape his grasp. Sam seemed put out by the whole affair. They planned to put Mr. Frederick to bed with a pint of Irish whiskey and make him as comfortable as possible. Thank heaven. And thank you for the intelligence, John Thomas. You are excused. Very good, milady. Ah, uh, what a heart Frederick has. How he must love me and... Oh, what a pity that he squints. Ensign Trippet and Captain Blackbeard are coming up the road. Perhaps they will tell us more.
The Major's port was truly excellent, was it not, Tribbett? Superb, thoroughly enjoyable, although we never made it to Bachelor's Pond to determine the condition of Mr. Sly. That was not necessary. He would never garner the courage to drown himself. Hang the fellow. He has already tried that and failed. <laughs> <laughs> but what are we to tell Miss Bluebeard and her sister? Leave that to me. Captain Blackbeard? Ensign Tribbett, what news? My sweet lady, we have had the pond dragged. No, Mr. Sly, and the fisherman who keeps the punt assures us that he has not been there all day. Audacious falsehood! Go, heartless man, who dares to trifle thus with the feelings of a respectable and unprotected woman? Go, sir, you're only fit for the love of a... a... Dolly Codlins! Please, give me a moment, Miss Bluebeard. The truth is that Major Macaba intercepted us along the way and engaged us in conversation about the advantages of certain ports. We had every intention of evaluating Mr. Sly's suicidal endeavors, but Major Macaba Enough! I want to hear no more of your prevarications. There is no prevarication on our part. You may interview Major Macaba if you wish. No, I do not wish. The only wish I have that present is that you gentlemen should leave the premises. But, Miss Bluebeard, underneath your angst, I detect a delicacy of heart, a tempest of passion. Why, you impertinent... You are right, Tribbett. How could we expect such a frail flower as this to be left unscathed by such fierce winds of woe, or joy, depending on Mr. Sly's circumstances? As the ancient poem tells us, Ah, the heart is a soft and delicate thing. Ah, the heart is a lute with a thrilling string, a spirit that floats on a... Gossamer's wing. And now you should leave before your arm is in a sling. My sister is in a state, and many of Dr. Glauber's exotic elixirs will be necessary to put her aright. That being the case, and with poetry having little effect, we shall take our leave immediately. It would appear that Captain Blackbeard has set his sails in your direction. Tis true, but to be so passionately loved as I am by Frederick... To know that he has twice plunged into death from attachment to me stirs my bosom. Can I witness such an attachment and not be touched by it? I am touched by it. But then Frederick is so abominably ugly and squint-eyed that I cannot, absolutely cannot consent to become his bride. And on his next visit, I will tell Dr. Sly that I am resolved. I will be faithful to that blessed saint whose monument lies out in the churchyard, I will repose under the shadow of that tomb until I am called to rest within it, to rest by the side of my bluebeard. In the meanwhile, you might want to ask the beetle to weed the garden of the grave, as you call it. Over the last few months, it has been allowed to run to seed, and resembles a bramble patch more than a flower garden. It had escaped my notice, dear Anne. I will order the beetle to dig out all the weeds that are growing around the family vault and sweep out the tomb. I will see to it. Anne, I had such awful dreams last night. That is distressing. What were they? I heard a voice call me thrice at midnight. Pooh, dear Jean, it's only nervousness. Yes, John Thomas, what is it? The beetle is in the hole, my ladies. He's looking very strange. He insists on seeing Mrs. Bluebeard. Let him enter. You may come in now. What have you to say? I, I apologize for the interruption, my, my lady, but last night... 
according to your lady's orders, I dug up the flower beds of the, of the family vault, I dusted the vault and the coffins inside, really, really spruced the place up. But me and John Sexton did it together because it is a frightful place after dark. For heaven's sake, don't allude to coffins. Well, my lady, I, I, I locked the door of the tomb, came away and found in my hurry I'd, I'd forgot my cane. I, I couldn't get John Sexton to go back with me till this morning. And, and, and what do you think we found? We found his honor's coffin turned round and, and the cane broken too. Here, here's the cane. Oh, take it away, take it away. Well, what does this prove? But that somebody moved the coffin and broke the cane. Somebody? Who's somebody? Why, that's the man right there in that picture. What? Why, that is merely a portrait of the former master, Bluebeard. That's the man I saw last night walking round the vault. I, I saw him walking round and round, and, and when I went up to speak to him, I'm blessed if he didn't go in the iron gate and, and then in the vault door, which had doubled locked, my lady, and, and bolted inside. I'll take my oath on it. Perhaps you had given him the key? It's never been out of my pocket. Here it is. I, I have no more to do with it. Here, here, take the key from me. At what hour did you see him? At 12 o'clock, of course. It must have been at that very hour I heard the voice. What voice? A voice that called Jean, 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 three times as plain as ever. It didn't speak to me. It, it, it only wagged its head and beard. Did he have a, a, a blue beard? P -p Powder blue, ma'am, I, I, upon my soul. Oh, oh, I feel faint. Hold a moment, sister. It is a most inopportune time to faint. Dr. Sly is approaching, and perhaps he can offer some explanation. Dr. Sly, what a fortuitous visit. The ghost of my husband has appeared in the graveyard. Do you believe in ghosts? Y yes, of course. My own grandmother appeared to my grandfather several times before he married again. I do not doubt that supernatural agents are real. Suppose he were to appear to me alone. I should die of fright. The best way in these cases, my dear madam, is for unprotected ladies to get a husband. I never heard of a first husband's ghost appearing to both a woman and her second husband. In all history, there is no account of such a case. That is most interesting. Now, if you will excuse us, Dr. Sly... But I, I have just arrived. Yes, and now you must just leave. I beg your consideration, Dr. Sly. I was in the process of fainting when you arrived and should return to my original intention. If you insist. He has taken his leave. Fainting is unnecessary now, sister. Naturally, he would recommend a second husband. Yet the captain would be a better protector for you than Mr. Sly. But Mr. Sly will certainly kill himself, and will the captain be a match for two ghosts? Fear not, dear sister, for tonight I will come and sleep with you. If there is a ghost, he will have to face us both together. Thank you, Anne. That is most comforting. Perhaps we will find out more when the clock strikes twelve.
Good heavens! Listen to that racket! What is that strange sound? on the churchyard, lighting up the graves with the ghastly shadows. Oh gracious, the vault door is open. No, no, no! There he is, my husband Bluebeard, standing in a huge ball of blue light. He looks like the picture in his yeomanry dress. His face frightfully pale, and his great blue beard curling over his chest. Quickly, call John Thomas, the footman. Help! John! John Thomas! Yes, my lady. Did you hear that? Hear what? Bells ringing, doors slamming, the wind in the trees? No, I am sorry, madam. I, I, I was asleep in the attic. I, I heard nothing. Then what could the ghost want by appearing? Is there anything that he would have me do? It is well to say now, 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 and to show himself, but what is it that makes my blessed husband so uneasy in his grave? If I might be so bold as to make a suggestion, my lady... Sister, the footman wants to make a recommendation. Let him proceed, Anne. What would you suggest, John? Madam, with all respect, I would recommend a man who is very cunning in mysterious affairs of this kind. There is such a man in town. He prophesied who would marry my cousin. He cured Farmer Horn's cattle, which were evidently bewitched. He can raise ghosts and make them speak. Well, he does sound like just the sort of person we need at this juncture. What nonsense this is, about the conjurer who lives in... In, uh, in Hangman's Lane, ma'am, where the gallows used to stand. It's not nonsense, my lady. Every word that man says comes true, and he knows everything. And you will not frighten the girls in the servants' hall with any of those silly stories? Oh, no, madam, of course not. Then I shall go tonight, and you know I will be at your side. You shall guide us, John Thomas. Now go fetch a lantern. Lady Anne, how good to see you again. Ensign Trippet, how fortunate it is to meet you again. What news of the ghost? Two nights ago, our footman, John Thomas, took to visit the conjurer at a dreadful abode in Hangman's Lane. It was most frightening. He gave Jean a sprig of rosemary to place at the tomb's entrance and a horseshoe for the mausoleum garden. The wizard assured us that his methods would keep the most obnoxious ghost quiet. There have been no more occurrences, no bells ringing or doors slamming. Nothing to send your sister into fainting fits. You must not joke on such an awful subject. The ghost has been subdued, at least for the moment. The cunning man also showed Jean her future husband. Had he black whiskers and a red coat? No, he had red whiskers and a black coat. It can't be that rascal sly. You may tell the poor captain there is no hope for him, and the only viable course of action remaining is to hang himself. He shall cut the throat of Mr. Sly first, though. There is nothing we can do, Captain Trippet. Fate will decide the outcome. Jean was exceedingly restive when the conjurer told her that according to all the signs, she was to marry Mr. Sly. But she was unwilling to acquiesce to this idea and has asked for more evidence. It is a trick. Perhaps. 
Tonight, the grave will tell all. The wizard will be at the Bluebeard townhouse tonight when the clock strikes twelve. He has promised to exorcise any venomous spirits from the premises. Please accept my best wishes in ridding yourselves of any pestilential entities, spirits or not. Would you consider visiting Major Makaba at some future date? He has some spirits of his own. That sounds heavenly. But now I must rejoin my sister and prepare for this evening's foray into the graveyard. striking midnight. Yes, and here we stand, in the pitch dark, surrounded by graves. It is most charming, I assure you. But might we get along with a ceremony, or exorcism, or whatever it is wizards do under these circumstances? Certainly, madam. Uh, first, though, I must issue the standard warning for ordeals such as this. Yes, of course. To call up a ghost is bad enough. To make him speak is awful. I recommend you, ma'am, to beware, for such curiosity has been fatal to many. There was one Arabian necromancer of my acquaintance who tried to make a ghost speak and was torn to pieces on the spot. There was another who did hear a ghost speak, but came away from the interview deaf and dumb. There was still another... Never mind! Haven't I seen him and heard him plenty already? And I have not been torn to pieces, nor struck deaf and dumb. But when you heard him, he was invisible. And when you saw him, he was inaudible. So, make up your mind what you will ask him. For ghosts will stand no shilly-shallying. I knew a stuttering man who was flung down by a ghost and... I have made up my mind. To ask him what husband you shall take? Anne! Oh, sister, it was not my intention to embarrass you. Listen, the midnight bells have woken the spirits. Haste, decide whether you will go on or not. This is becoming rather spooky. Let us go back, sister. I will go on. I should die if I gave it up. I must go on. Here's the gate. Kneel down. Now, do you desire to see or hear your husband? I will see Bluebeard first. I shall know then whether this be a mockery or whether you have the power you claim. You shall see indeed, my lady. You shall see. Oh, great spirit of Bluebeard the man, in the midst of time-shifting sand, before your tomb we all do bow. Bluebeard, Bluebeard, come to us now. Hmm. I shall try again. Great Bluebeard, before whom men quail, lest you thrash them with a flail, through the graves we all have plowed, so that from the dead you come to us now. Uh, who wants me? 
ghost of Bluebeard, husband of Jean, the prettiest lady you have ever seen. She desires with you to speak, so come out now. Don't be meek. Oh, look! And there are ghosts rising from their graves all around us. Compose yourself, sister. They seem benign. See, they're all kneeling in a circle around your late husband's tomb. Behold, in blue light stands Bluebeard in his blue uniform, waving his blue sword and flashing his blue eyes all about. Speak now, my lady, or you are lost. I... I... I cannot speak, Anne, please. I am struck dumb with terror, sister. Jean, 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 wherefore am I crawled from my grave? It, it looks like the ghost of Bluebeard has fainted. Look, sister, the other ghosts are casting off their cloaks. Have no fear, dear Anne. It's only me, Ensign Trippet. And you are a very humble servant, Blackbeard. Come to rescue you, Miss Bluebeard. You are the lads there. Grab the ghosts. The supposed necromancer has disappeared, Blackbeard. Yes, he is taken to his heels, but we will catch up with him shortly. We know his identity is none other than Mr. Claptrap, the manager of the theater. What are we going to do with the ghost? Drag him over by the pump. Perhaps some water will help him recover from his fainting fit. Well, well, it looks like our friend Mr. Sly, and if our observations have been correct, it appears that John Thomas, the footman, provided the key to the tomb, lent him the uniform, clapped the doors, rang the bells, and spoke down the chimney, and it was Mr. Claptrap who gave Mr. Sly the blue fire and made the appearance as the wizard. You have saved me, Mr. Blackbeard. Thank you, thank you so much. You are my hero. Now, I must speak to you about a most serious matter, Miss Bluebeard. The rumors about myself and Miss Codlin's are a shameful falsehood and cannot be believed. You alone own my heart, and I want to marry you. Will you? Yes, of course. Dr. Sly married them and has always declared, I know nothing about my nephew's doings and wonder why he has not committed suicide after his shameful performance as Bluebeard's ghost. Sister Anne became Mrs. Tom Trippett, and are likewise living happily together, and this is the ultimate fate of a family in whom we are all very much interested. You may say that the story is not probable. Pshaw! Didn't you hear it on the radio? And is it one whit less probable than the first part of the tale? We hope you have enjoyed this presentation of the second part of William Makepeace Thackeray's short story, Bluebeard's Ghost, presented by the Maplewood Barn Radio Players. Our performers in tonight's show were Val Davis as Jean, Lisa Weaver played Anne, Michael Scott was Dr. Sly, Curtis Abbott was Mr. Sly and the Ghost, Brett Sawyer was Ensign Trippett, Ian Buchanan played Blackbeard, Darren Helwidge was John Thomas the Footman, and Byron Scott played both the Beetle and the Wizard. The show was engineered by Darren Helwidge and adapted for radio by Brad Buchanan, with post-production by Amy Humphrey and Joe Hayes. Thanks for listening, 
And don't forget to tune in again next week at the same time for another classic story from Maplewood Barn Radio Theater right here on KBIA.